the Southcliff Podcast. We're glad you've joined us. Now, here's Senior Pastor Dr. Carol Marr with this week's sermon. with you today. We continue a study as we are making our way through the book of Romans and we're going through Romans verse by verse. Romans is the letter that Paul writes to the church at Rome. It's recorded in the New Testament, which is the back part of your Bible. So if you'll just go to uh, uh, the middle of the Bible, kind of turn right, you'll come to some of those red-lettered chapters of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and and just keep going to the right, you're going to find the book of Romans. And Paul is writing this letter to the church at Rome. Now, we sometimes lose sight of the fact that, that when he writes a letter, he doesn't do it in chapters. Um, we've divided the Bible into chapters and verses so that we can find our way around. But in the original manuscripts, there's no chapters or verses. It's just the letter that Paul writes. And so we are continuing to look at that letter that Paul writes. Now, we have come in our study in the letter of Romans to chapter 8. Many have described chapter 8 as the greatest chapter in this letter, in this book. Some even suggest that it's the greatest chapter in all the Bible. Well, we're just going to look at two verses today, and I think as we look at the first two verses, you're going to walk away understanding why it's considered the greatest chapter in this book and perhaps the greatest chapter in the Bible. Because these two verses, if you are able to really understand it, and if you're able to really grasp the truth that is contained here, your life's not going to be the same. You're going to be able to walk at a different level in your spiritual pilgrimage and at a different level of victory in understanding the power that God makes available to us. So, let's just jump in there and look at it together. If you have your Bible, look with me, if you will, Romans chapter 8, verse 1 and 2. And uh, listen, if your Bible, you don't have chapter 8, verse 1 and 2 underlined or highlighted, and you're a person that writes in your Bible, then you need to do that right now. And let me just tell you this. If you are a Christian, if you have accepted Jesus as your Savior, this is one of those absolutely essential verses you need to memorize. Because it's one that you need. You're going to find, if you memorize this verse, you're going to recognize that God will bring this verse to your mind almost every day. And it becomes a daily part of your battle and step toward victory. So let's look at it together. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and of death. Now, I just want to camp out on those two verses. I think we could just stop right there because there's enough there to really speak to me and my life and where I live, and maybe there might be enough for you as well. So let's just look at those two verses together. Now, Paul begins 
these verses by connecting us to what he has already said. That kind of comes back to me telling you there are no chapters. So Paul says, therefore, I've always told you whenever you see the word therefore, you were to ask yourself the question, what is it there for? It always connects us to something that has been said. Now, I think that the therefore can actually connect us to everything Paul has said up to this point. But I really think that there's a unique connection with what Paul has just given us in chapter 7 that, uh, that kind of connects us to what he is saying to us in this passage of Scripture. Now, up until this point in chapter 7, Paul has reminded us that God has saved us from the penalty of sin. The Bible tells us the penalty of sin is death. The reason you're going to die one day is because you are a sinner. You were born into a sin, sinful world. You are a sinner by, by birth, by nature, and by choice. And so we have the penalty of death on us, uh, of sin on us, which is death. But when Jesus came and died, he took our penalty on himself. So Paul says, we don't die when we come to the end of our life. Having placed our faith in Jesus, we go to heaven. So he says, the penalty of sin is, is removed and the power of sin is removed because Paul talks about in chapter seven, how that we have power over sin. We have the ability to say no. You and I can live victorious in the life that God has called us. But what he also reminds us of in chapter 7, though God has saved us from the penalty and the power of sin, he has not saved us from the presence of sin. We still live in a sinful, fallen world. And as a result of that, even though, as Paul said, we have a new master, and we have a new purpose, and we have a new direction, the old master is still barking out orders. And he's still calling us to the old way of life that we were to live. And so, I think all of us can identify with what Paul has taught us already in chapter 7 when he says, you know, the struggle that we have with sin is real. It is a real struggle that all of us have. Now, when Paul comes to the end of chapter 7, he is, I think, he's feeling failure because he comes to the place where he says, man, I wrestle with sin. The thing I want to do is the very thing I don't do. And the thing I say I'm not going to do is the very thing I do in my life. And he comes to the place where he says, oh, wretched man that I am. He had really come to a low point as he is allowing us to see the struggle with sin and the way it impacts our lives. And he says, oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me? And then he says, but thanks be to God through Jesus Christ. The person of Jesus is the way I'm delivered. Not through a plan, not through a process, but through a person. Now, there are two things that I want to show you in our time together today that I think help us understand what Paul is saying. The two things that I want you to show, or to show you today are simply this. I want to talk to you about the source of condemnation, and I want to talk to you about the solution for condemnation. But, because here's the question. If there is no condemnation in Christ, why am I beating up on myself all the time? Why am I still struggling? 
Why is it that condemnation is a part of my life? So let's answer those two questions together in our time. First of all, I want to talk to you about the source of condemnation. Now, before I really get into the, to the nitty gritty of the source of condemnation, let me give you a basic truth that we find in the text. Paul said there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Now, what that means is if you are not in Christ, if you have not accepted Jesus as your Savior, you have not repented of your sin and turned to God solely through faith in Jesus Christ, that means you are under condemnation, God's condemnation for your sin. That's what Paul talked about in the first four chapters when he says that we are sinners separated from God. And it doesn't make any difference if we're in the church or outside the church, whether you've been baptized, whether you live a good life, whether you do all kinds of wonderful good things. If you have never accepted Jesus as your savior, you are under the condemnation of God. That's what Paul said in chapter three, verse 23, when he says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's what he says in verse 23 in chapter 6 when he says that the wages of sin is death. Paul says in chapter 1 of Romans, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of man who suppresses the truth in unrighteousness. So Paul makes it clear if you're not in Christ, if you've never accepted Christ, you are under the condemnation of God. But if you have accepted Jesus as your Savior, you are in Christ. And if you are in Christ, he says there is no condemnation. So my question then is, as for believers, if there's no condemnation in Christ, why do I feel the weight of condemnation in my life so often? Well, let's talk about that. First, I want to give you the top three sources of condemnation. The number one reason why we feel condemnation in life is, number one, because of Satan. It's satanic. Satan is the cause of condemnation. In fact, the Bible calls Satan the accuser of the brethren. He's the guy that sits on our shoulder and accuses us of sin that we've committed. I've discovered that Satan will speak into our life through thoughts that we have, or he will use other people to speak into our lives. You go back to the book of Job and you'll discover that Satan used Job's friends around him to begin to say, Job, you must have done something really bad to make God mad. You need to just curse God and die. And Job began to examine in his own life. Satan sits on our shoulder and begins to remind us of past sins. There are some of you that are here today, and you can't get past something that happened in your life years and years ago. And every time you think about the forgiveness of God and the grace of God, your mind goes back to something that happened years ago. And Satan brings you right back to that moment, and he puts his finger on that past sin, and he accuses you. He highlights and magnifies the inconsistencies of our life. He points out our failures. And he simply says to us in our own mind, there's no way that God could love me. 
not after what I've done, not after the things that I have been a part of. Other people don't know. There are private things in my life that nobody knows about but me, and, and God would never forgive me for that. I've not been able to forgive myself for it. I know that God would never forgive me, and you are unable to embrace the love and the forgiveness and the salvation of God because Satan continually bombards you with a guilt of sins that we have committed in the past. Remember the one, num one of the number one reasons why we feel guilt and condemnation is because Satan whispers those condemnation thoughts into our mind. The second reason I think that we often feel condemned is what I would call social condemnation. Sometimes the feelings of inadequacy and failure that we have come from other people. Have you ever noticed that? And if I'm going to talk about social condemnation, I've got to talk about social media, right? Have you, have you ever noticed that Facebook can sometimes create feelings of condemnation? I don't know if you ever noticed that, but there's just so many perfect families on Facebook. I mean, they're just all smiling. They show their Christmas pictures, and Tanya and I are looking at the Christmas. We had a wonderful Christmas at our house, but the truth is, it was so chaotic, we didn't even take a picture. And all of a sudden, I'm seeing all these pictures that people take, and what do I think? Oh, man, what horrible grandparents we are. We had them all together, and we didn't even think about taking a picture. We were just trying to survive, man, with four or five-year-olds in the house, three five-year-olds in the house, and, 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 the, and the other three running around. And it's easy for us to look on Facebook and, and, and see the perfect family and think, what's wrong with me, you know? Sometimes as husbands, we, we see these perfect husbands who say all these amazing things about their wives on Facebook. At their birthday, and you are the light of the world, and you, I mean, they, they wax poetically, and, and they say all these wonderful things, and, and, and every now and then our wife might say to us, hey, did you see what so-and-so wrote about his wife? And I'm like, oh, yeah. Or maybe you as a wife, you see things on Facebook that other people do. They have the perfect kids, <laughs> and our kids are falling apart, and they're a mess, you know? And they're struggling. And then where does, where does all that money come from? Because they take vacations like every other week. And they show themselves in these exotic places, and we say to ourselves, what a failure am I? I'm not able to provide that kind of stuff for my family. Facebook can sometimes provide a place of condemnation. Sometimes we can just be walking through life, maybe see a father and son having fun together and because you've walked through a divorce and you don't have access to your child, you're immediately faced with condemnation. What an awful person I am that I'm not able to be there for my kid. Or maybe as a wife, you go through those experiences as a single parent, isn't it amazing? You, you, you're doing everything you can to be a mom and a dad, and, and you're bombarded with pictures of mom and dad and child, and you feel condemnation. 
the social condemnation that we feel around us. Sometimes it comes from bullies, doesn't it? Who target us on Facebook. There are kids that are today facing condemnation for ugly things that other people have said to them on social media. And through means, and we may not even realize it as parents or grandparents, but the challenges that they face as a result of bullies having been targeted online or even in person. Bullies have a tendency to attack us for physical features, right? We feel condemned because we're too tall or we're too short or we're too fat, or we're too thin, or we have big feet, or we have a big nose, or we have big ears, or something about us is just not right. It may be the color of our hair, or the lack of it. It may be the color of our skin. We're too light, or we're too dark. Sometimes it's not just physical features, sometimes it's intellectual, isn't it? We feel inferior. When I was growing up in school, there was a change, a shift that often happens in education. And the classes before me learned to read phonetically. And um, somebody came along and said, you know, that's not the right way to do it. We need to do it a different way. And, and so I'm the first group after that that we said, we're not going to teach you to read phonetically. And, and I don't know if that was the reason or not, but man, I struggled with reading. And I had a hard time. And I remember even coming to church. And I remember the condemnation I felt. I don't know if this ever happened to you. We would come to church and I was, I was a kid and we would be in a class and, and, and there would be a circle and we would go around the room and read a verse out of the Bible. And I remember sitting there trying to figure out which verse I was going to have to read so that I could try to mumble my way through it before I had to read out loud because I was embarrassed to read out loud because I struggled with it. And suddenly the condemnation of feeling that you're not a good enough or that you're dumb or that you're you're a slow learner. And, and sometimes we hear those things too from others. Sometimes it's intellectual. Sometimes I think we're, we're bullied because of our athletic ability or our lack of it. We live in a world today that seems to just worship sports. And anybody that has athletic ability is just put on a pedestal and and suddenly you discover you don't have athletic ability. You're not the first person picked. You remember that in school when they get to pick teams? You remember how desperately you wanted to be picked first or second or third? You, you desperately wanted to be picked before the last one. But somebody was picked last. And those feelings of condemnation just kind of well up inside of us sometimes the social condemnation comes from our own parents who had unrealistic expectations of you and you never felt good enough you could never please them 
Maybe they had perfectionist tendencies and what they required of you, you were unable to give them. Even into your adult years, you are condemned today because I was never good enough. You tried so hard to earn that love and that attention, but somehow it eluded you. Maybe, maybe you're the victim of sexual abuse. You were abused as a child, and somehow you blame yourself for that. And some twisted thing in your mind, you somehow think it's your fault that that happened. And you feel like damaged goods, damaged product that no one could ever love. If anyone knew what I went through, they would never love me. I guess what I'm saying to you today is that, that most of us have experienced some kind of trauma through social condemnation. Where does condemnation come from? From Satan? From the social condemnation that we experience? But here's another one. Sometimes it comes from self-condemnation. Maybe as a result of the others. But we come to the place where we have negative thoughts and impressions about ourselves. We demand something of ourselves that we cannot give. Maybe you're a perfectionist and you demand perfection. And guess what? You can fight it all your life, but you're fighting a losing battle. And you never get there. You never attain. You never measure up. You can't even meet your own standards. You're never satisfied with your appearance. You're never satisfied with your performance. You're never satisfied with your accomplishments. You're never satisfied with success. And you know what that does? It brings us to the place where we believe a lie. And we think nobody appreciates us. No one accepts us. No one approves of us. And it will cripple you emotionally with feelings of rejection that result in you pushing other people away. It will destroy relationship after relationship. Self-condemnation. So Paul says, the law of sin and death condemns. The law of God condemns. Paul had tried to live his life according to the law. He had tried to be the best person he could. And he couldn't do it. Because the law can't save us. So Jesus came to set us free from condemnation. Now let me just say that again. Jesus came to set us free from condemnation. So, what's the solution? 
the solution to the condemnation, whether it's satanic or social or self. If you're overwhelmed with self-doubt and criticism and negative self-image and rejection and guilt, what do you do? Well, you discover the truth that we read in verse 1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. So the answer is to know that you're in Christ. You don't become a part of in Christ by being baptized or by going to church or even praying the sinner's prayer. It's as a result of recognizing that you are a sinner and you can't save yourself and recognizing that God came to earth in the person of Jesus, lived a sinless life, died on the cross to pay the penalty for your sin. And because you believe that, you turn from your sin, yourself, your life, and you say, God, I give myself to you. I want you to take over. You run my life. Everything I give to you, I ask you to forgive me of my sin. Come into my life. And when you pray that prayer and you receive Christ, you are in Christ. Every believer, every true believer is in Christ. That's what Paul says in chapter 6 in the book of Romans. So knowing and reciting and, and embracing the truth that I am in Christ is the first step. Martin Luther said it this way, it is impossible for a man to be a Christian without having Christ. And if he has Christ, he has at the same time all that is in Christ. What gives peace to the conscience is that by faith, our sins are no more ours, but Christ, upon whom God hath laid them all. And that on the other hand, all Christ's righteousness is ours, to whom God has given it. God lays his hand upon us, and we are healed. What Martin Luther says is this, when I accept Jesus as my Savior, God takes every one of my sins, all of them, all that I've committed, all that I will commit, and he places them on Jesus. And Jesus faces the penalty of my sin on the cross. He pays the price. And God gives me, as he gives my sin to Jesus, God gives me the righteousness of Jesus. And he says to me, there is now therefore no condemnation. You're not condemned anymore. Carol, you are no longer under the judgment of God. You, your, your, your debt's been paid. 
You are no longer under the condemnation of God. Jesus has stepped in and taken care of it for us. So know that we are in Christ. And being in Christ means that I'm not under the judgment of God. Secondly, I've got to know that Christ in Christ, I'm a new person. Understand that I no longer can identify with who I once was. The old person is dead with all of its baggage. You are not to see yourself as a sinner, an alcoholic, a liar, an adulterer, a, 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 a convict, an ex-offender, a failure, a loser. You are not to see yourself that way. You are a saint. You're a saint. If you feel condemnation, you're trying to be who you're not. That's not who you are anymore. You're a new person in Christ. You need to know that. And third, you need to know and see yourself as God sees you. Don't let Satan saddle you with the baggage from your past. You need to see yourself as God sees you. So this is what I want to do. I want to tell you, if you're a Christian, who you are in Christ. So I want you to just, I'm, I'm going to ask you to do this. It's going to be awkward. Let me tell you what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you in just a second to bow your head and close your eyes. And I just want you to listen. And I'm going to speak truth over you. I'm going to tell you who you are. And I want you to walk away today understanding who we are, as we sang a moment ago, who he says we are. If you continue to live like who you say you, you're going to live under condemnation, but he says something different. Just, would, would you just bow your heads with me and close your eyes? Would you just try to tone everything out and just listen? Let me speak over you. You, listen to me. You are a child of God. You are redeemed, bought back by his blood from the enemy. You're forgiven. No matter what you've done in your life, you're forgiven. You are restored. There's nothing that stands between you and God right now. You've been restored. You can walk right into his presence because you've been saved by grace not by anything you did but by his grace you are risen with Christ and seated in the heavenlies you have been delivered from the power of darkness you are heirs of eternal life you are more than conquerors you're an overcomer you are a new creation If God were to introduce you today, 
How do you think he would do it? This is Bill, a recovering alcoholic. This is James, a recovering addict. This is Sue, a, a sex abuse survivor. No. This is how he would do it. This is. Now, I want you to do something. I want you to, it's awkward, but I want you to, in just a moment, I'm going to say this is, and I want you to say your name, and I want you to say it out loud, okay? So let's do that together. This is Carol. You say your name as I say it. This is Carol. My beloved child an heir to my kingdom. The solution is to be in Christ, to live it out as we walk in the spirit because we've been saved from the judgment and the condemnation of God. We've been given a new identity and when we see ourselves as he sees us, we will whisper these words. Every time we are convicted, every time we feel guilt, every time we are tempted to beat ourselves up, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Father, I thank you for this verse. I desperately need it. I beat myself up so often, as does everybody in this room. And you've saved us from that so that we can walk in victory and in power. If there's one here today that has never accepted you, and the gift of eternal life that you offer, I pray that today would be the day that they step into Christ through faith as they turn from their sin to receive you. And I pray that every other person in this room who is a believer will today embrace the truth that they've heard, refuse the lie that the enemy will continue to whisper in their ear, and stand in the victory you've given. And we thank you in Jesus' name, amen. As you continue with your head bowed, this is a moment for you to just ask God to speak to you. And maybe you're here today and have never accepted Jesus as Savior. Maybe you're thinking that, that heaven is yours because of baptism or church membership. And, and you've heard me say today that that's not it. It's a relationship that we can have with God through faith in Jesus. And so today you'd like to come and receive that gift of eternal life. I'd love the opportunity to introduce you to somebody. So I'm going to stand right here at the front. If you want to make that decision today, you can come. I'm not going to embarrass you or put you on the spot, but, but today you can know that you know that you're in Christ. And you may be a Christian here today. and You're struggling in some of the things I've talked about. You just need somebody to pray with you. And I'd love to do that in this moment right now as God speaks. everyone at Southcliff Church, thank you for joining us today. If you would like more information about Southcliff Church, please go to southcliff.com. 
to share a testimony of how God has encouraged you through this ministry, send an email to scpodcast at southcliff.com. That's scpodcast at southcliff.com. Click the Give button on our webpage to discover how this ministry is supported. Your financial gifts help accomplish the mission God has given us.